Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It is the Unpack Podcast here from AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation talking about your uh, Green Bay Packers. Your very likely in the playoffs, I guess. Maybe we'll talk about that Green Bay Packers. Um, we'll see. I'm Zach Rapport. Dialing it in from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, follow the show at the Unpack Pod on Twitter slash X and Instagram. Uh, follow me on those platforms at Zach Rapport if I didn't already just say that. Anyway, uh, we're back from a little uh, holiday hiatus. We've got uh, Nick Bornheimer here uh, after a season of computer issues. We finally <laughs> figured something <laughs> out. You're in your own house. You got a microphone. Yeah. Things are looking up. Yeah. I had said prior to us getting on here that we might have to record just with my headphone mic or whatever um, because I was under the impression I had to use a MacBook and we didn't have the MacBook in the house today. And I was, you know, I would go over to AP's apartment and I'm sitting down. I'm like, why don't I just try to plug this in and just go through basic troubleshooting steps? And it just worked instantly. <laughs> a year later. Why don't yeah. I just <laughs> Yeah. Why don't I just try the most basic piece that might solve this issue? Occam's <sighs> razor. So um here we are. And yeah, feeling nice and rejuvenated after the little break. And a lot happier than I was going in because we got to win and get in, boys. Yeah, and the uh, the plural on that, boys, the S to our boy today is not AP, uh, who's down in Florida visiting family. It's uh, our fearless leader, the corporate overlord, the OG corporate overlord, Evan Tex Western. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. It's always a good day when I can uh, double up with a repack and an unpack. So that's uh, that makes for a good week and. Um... Yeah, looking looking forward to basically feeling like we're kind of playing with house money in this game in a season where uh, coming in with pretty pretty limited expectations. I know Zach, you you know we're we're over that six win mark, so you're just flying on clouds. It's nine, all I'm gravy. Sure I'm swimming in gravy right now. Yeah. So uh, no, it's it's it, after week ten, sitting at three and six after that Steelers game. If you had told me that week eighteen is a win and you're in the playoffs game, I would have told you you were. 100% out of your mind. Yeah. So this is going to be fun. Um, I just got off recording an hour-long podcast with a Bears fan. Um, <laughs> How's that? Go, go go check out Bears Talk Underground. Larry's Larry's a great dude. Um, Larry's the sanest Bears fan I know. Um, and so um, check that out. I think that should be dropping on Friday. But um, yeah, give give Larry a, a listen. He uh, he was a good, good sport, and we broke down the instant replay game a couple years ago. Which was a fun, oh, uh, a fun one to relive, um, but yeah, interesting to see their their feeling on uh, Justin Fields and sort of the direction of of this team and that that franchise um, moving forward into twenty twenty four. But uh, we're focused on January seventh, twenty twenty four, not anything beyond that right now. So 
Damn right. Let's and, get into uh, it. And Tex, just just for you, as I pop open my beer, uh, my koozie today is a Star Trek koozie. Very nice. Fellow Trekkie. This is the OG it, Star Trek. I couldn't find I, a TNG, so. I, I appreciate that it is not a red shirt. It is a, it is a classic command yellow uh, koozie so very nice we don't have to uh <clears throat> we don't have to sacrifice you to some random computer god on <laughs> on some unknown planet very nice yeah we just lost half the audience <laughs> yeah you definitely oh, lost no. me. you definitely lost I, me. <laughs> I think you underestimate the nerdiness of of our podcast listeners my friends Next, like, no, you have correctly maybe assessed. Not. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I when, when I was young and realized I couldn't do the Spock hand thing, uh, I think I was out on track. <laughs> Live long and prosper. All right, guys. Well, let's get into it. The Packers dismantled the Minnesota Vikings after Kirk Cousins reminded us all that he still exists by shirtlessly blowing a big horn before their game. Uh, that stupid <laughs> horn. I hate that stupid horn. <laughs> we all hate the horn. Actually... Um, and I don't know, maybe I was just in a good mood because they won the game, but kind of like rewatching, seeing the footage of the horn. I'm like, I, I don't know. I get it as like a hometown <laughs> home team thing. Like it can be kind of fun. And I've got friends who are Vikings fans. I lived in uh, Minneapolis for, for a time, made it through one and a half winters there. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Pretty good. so I don't know, but in general, I agree. I hate the fucking horn. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a lot easier to look back on the gimmick after a beatdown that that the Packers put on the Vikings. So it's it's true. Um, before we get into notable nuggets, before I give my nugget, I wanted um, to offer one complaint. And I don't know if I've talked to both of you about this yet, but I and I think I tweeted this out at some point after the game. But NFL Plus or whatever they're called now, they need an option between the full broadcast replay and the condensed replay because I um, wasn't able to watch this game live. It was New Year's Eve, had a lot going on. And so I had to watch the condensed version and like, it's just too fast. Everything happens so fast. You don't get the benefit of most of the replays. I didn't even know until two days later reading reports who was injured because they don't ever talk about it ever. Like I left this game thinking, wow, they really took care of business. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? They lost like five players. That kind of sucked. I was like, I, I, I wouldn't know because I watched this version of the NFL product where you get none of that information. Can I, can I get like a, like a 90 minute version where that's just like, just shave off like 10 seconds between each play and all of the commercial breaks and halftime. And I'm happy. Yeah, that that would be a really nice product, wouldn't it? But that would involve <laughs> I imagine that would involve some effort, you know, beyond just one, you know, one intern saying, "Okay, plays <laughs> over, cut here. Next right. place is is snapping in 2 seconds. Cut back in." And uh, you know, that that would require some level of, you know, understanding of the narrative of the game and and effort to put something like that together. I still think it would be absolutely worth it. Yeah. And, you know, I would be willing to add a, a dollar a month onto my sure. you know, NFL plus subscription for something like that. But that's, you know, that's just me. And you nailed it too. Um, it's definitely some like video intern because that is, it is ready to watch like 30 to 40 minutes after the game. And I don't know, it's probably overseas. Honestly, they just send it to some other country. <laughs> just get it done super quick. I don't know. Come on, we've got AI now. They can figure that out, right? Right. Yeah. Make it AI's problem. 
right. All right. Well, let's get into uh, notable nuggets. I'll, I'll get off my soapbox here. Um, hashtag note nugs. Tweet at us or X at us. I don't know, whatever. After every game, uh, let us know your bite-sized takeaways, and I will go first with my notable nugget. I've talked a lot about, um, again, as we all know, tight ends, kind of my thing. I'm weird for tight ends. Um, we've talked a lot about Tucker Craft. We've talked a lot about Luke Musgrave. I... I think I'm ready to say that Tucker Craft is better, is a better, is better than than Luke Musgrave. And I like they both offer different things, and no doubt about it. Like Luke Musgrave is a freak athlete, but I just love me some Tucker Craft, man. I'm I'm in love. Tex, you're nodding. <laughs> I have not been this sure of buying a rookie player's jersey after his rookie season in a long, long time as I am about Tucker craft. I am the instant that this season is over. I am probably going out and ordering an 85 from the Packers pro shop because I I just, yeah, the everything he does in in this last, what six or seven weeks since he basically took over the every down tight end spot um, is just a joy to watch the hurdles, the, the simply, you know, flattening guys. I mean, he took a, a defensive tackle lined up over, Zach Tom at one point in in the game against Minnesota and just put him on his ass and didn't look like he had a a, a lot of effort that it took him to do it. Yeah. Um it's he's he's no question a more complete tight end for for that position. The the blocking that that he can bring to that spot uh, as an inline guy is just um, a joy to watch and you know short of like a Mercedes Lewis where that was literally the only thing he was on the team to do. Packers haven't had a really good blocking tight end in a long time. I mean, we're thinking back to like Robert Tunyon and Richard Rogers. And I mean, who, who was the last guy who was really a, a high level blocking tight end who gave you anything in the passing game? Do we have to go back to Bubba Franks? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, how it's, was, it's uh, how was Justin Perillo on the uh, blocking? I don't remember. <laughs> Not great from what I remember. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> All he did was secretly catch everything. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Nah, it's been fun to watch him though. Yeah. I mean, I talked earlier in the year about like, like you hoped that we hit on one of them, but we hit on, I think we hit on two of them. There's really a lot to like about both of them, but it's hard not to just be head over heels in love after, um, after these couple games, the man plays um, with a, with a fierceness, with a hunger for yak, with a, um, a reckless abandon for future generations of his own bloodline. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. I think Tyler Tyler Brook, formerly of of Acme Packing Company, and now over at uh, Fan Buzz, I think published author um, Tyler Brook. He, yes, yes, wrote a book. Um, he's really trying to get the Yak and Cheese nickname going. <laughs> so any any help that we can get on that one, I think, is is going to be very welcome. Craft Yak and Cheese. All right, got it. <laughs> I like it. All right, someone uh, give me a nug. Uh, Tex, give me a nugget. All right, uh, my note nug is that I really hope that Joe Barry isn't suddenly safe because of this game against Minnesota. Um, it can't be, right? I would hope not, but then there's the the question about did the Packers give him a game ball after the game? They didn't, and, and did they not You know, post the video of LaFleur handing him a game ball because they didn't want the blowback from the fans? Like, it was Jaron Hall and Nick Mullins and your pass rush just abused that Minnesota def- or offensive line. 
like this this game cannot be a anywhere near enough of a bounce back after those last three to to keep him safe and and make you you know confident in his ability to put a quality defense on the field next season. So I hope that that is the case um, because I can't go through another season of no. wondering, are we going to get, you know, the defense that held Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs to 19 points? Or are we going to get the one that the very next two weeks made Tommy Cutlets and Baker Mayfield, the NFC players of the week. I can't go through that roller coaster again. If they actually, if the season starts next year and they are actually rolling out there with Joe Barry, I to quote Andy Bernard from the office, I will lose my freaking mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to lose my freaking mind. Um, the game ball thing is interesting, though. I, I did notice that. And my interpretation of that was was not about fan blowback. was actually more like the coach wanted to give him a game ball because he thought he deserved it and because they're friends and because uh, he's you know been under a lot of fire lately and it was a good performance. And sure, you deserve a game ball. But the team wants to play it a little bit more like we we know we're showing him the door in like anywhere from one Ah. to like three to four weeks here (laughs) so that's that's absolutely what happened though he doesn't just he's not just holding a ball for he didn't pick it up off the ground that no he got a game ball i totally believe that yeah yep yeah that's that's an interesting angle i hadn't considered about all right this is sort of your you know good job on a job well done in this game now we're gonna see you out in two weeks yeah, hadn't thought about that uh, that angle. So yeah, well, if that's a, if that's what it is, I'm right. I'm okay dude. with it. <laughs> what I, what what would it have to take, like reasonably speaking? Um, and I think I, I, we're the three of us and Packers faithful is already out on it. But how many game? Would it would it take an NFC Championship appearance? Like what? Oh, how far that, would they have to get? Yeah. How far would they have to get that you could like? come back the thing i am nodding very loudly to that that is basically where i am at is an nfc championship game and the defense being more than you know half responsible for one of the playoff wins at least well Um, and you can't probably both (laughs) wow i'm so i don't know it might even be Super Bowl because the thing is, like, if you get to the NFC Championship game, you are playing a powerhouse offense. So it's hard for me to imagine the Packers' defense at that point, and Joe Barry in particular, not crapping the bed in front of everyone in the world on national TV. Um, so I'm just assuming that that's how that's that's how the season ends. Then, and if that's true, then then he's got to be gone because it's like you're that's the Chekhov's gun. It was always the thing that was going to come back and shoot you in the foot. My only counterpoint to that would be that if the Packers win on wildcard, you know, if they win this week, end up as the six or seven seed, win on wildcard weekend, they're almost certainly going to San Francisco in the divisional mm-hmm. round. If they can beat San Francisco, and if the defense is a you know major contributing factor to that win, if it's not you know a 45-41 game, right? Obviously that that doesn't doesn't move the needle for me, but you know if they can hold San Francisco to like 24 points or something like that that that's a different piece of the equation for me so that it would take something like that against a team probably not just i I don't think it would any other team i don't think would do it i think it would be a win over the 49ers that the defense plays pretty well is about the only thing that i can i can sit back and say yeah that that would make me comfortable with barry coming back yeah if the 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 set the beginning of a sentence if they can beat san francisco (laughs) 
is the source of so much pain throughout my life. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> so much pain. That oh. if is doing a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, give me a uh, give me a note nug. Sure. Uh, so mine's a little abstract, and it's going to require participation from the two of you. Um, <sighs> I was going to go take a leak, but yeah, go on. yeah, yeah. No, no, you're here. So um, I'm going to jump on the very annoying um, social media trend right now and give what. Um, I think the Packers, like if we're if we're operating from inside in idyllic Packers locker room, um, what their in and out for 2024 list should look like. So it's basically just a repackaging of um, the Gen Z repackaging of New Year's resolutions. So with this, I'm going to I'm going to list off a couple ins and a couple outs and then um, with very cliched terminology and then I'm going to give the two of you an opportunity to um, either um, take a stab at what you think I slash the Packers are going for, or you can expound on it in your own way. So, so on the in list is exploring new things, consistency, accountability, and process. And then on the out list, overreacting, limiting potential, pseudoscience, think we can all probably take a pretty good crack at that one and um people in your inner circle that drag you down so if there's one that stands out and you want to take a crack at it zach i'm gonna let you go first i was just like taking notes here all right so in we've got exploring new things consistency i'll give you i'll give you a hint this one was already mentioned earlier in the pod hmm Exploring new things, consistency, accountability, and process. I mean, so that to me, that sounds more coach than player. That's my that's that's where my head's at. Um and I don't know. I, I don't know where where you where I where I think you want me to go with this, but we were talking about Joe Barry, and so my head instantly just goes to the trend uh, over the course of all of our lifetimes of watching the Packers of not really holding coaches accountable until their contracts are expired. That's kind of like the, uh, that's the business model that we have uh, in Green Bay. There's uh, plenty of good teams this year who have, for example, let coordinators go in the middle of the year uh, because they weren't cutting the mustard. And um, I got a little, I'm not saying that's always the best move, but I got a little jealous as someone who's had to watch uh, Joe Barry uh, week in and week out. So that's kind of where my head goes, but I got a feeling that's not that's not where you're at. I don't know. How'd I do? Accountability. Um, well, they're all they're they're four different bullet points. So on accountability, you're hundred percent right. It's coaching accountability. Um, and that that is from the top down. That is not that's that's even like with this Jair piece, like to to instantly what whatever side of the argument you're on it's stupid any way that you look at it <laughs> pretty much but it was it was it just felt like that was putting the onus on the players and not so much on the coaching staff or you know what the locker room looked like from from the coaching perspective so um i'd like to see more and the packers should like to see you know take accountability for some of their actions um, 
exploring new things was just, I just wrote tight ends because <laughs> gotta explore those tight ends man <laughs> <laughs> what a what a fun thing what a fun thing for the Packers to finally hop on and have well I think I'm in your boat with Tucker Craft is like such a fun complete great addition to this offense and the things that you can do within the LaFleur offense is so fun and then if Musgrave is anything you know close to decent we've hit the jackpot in this draft on tight ends the but thing I about Musgrave, yeah. and we've talking about it a bit on the APC Slack, and I think it was John Meerdink who said this. Dex, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, that basically Musgrave is kind of just like a he's a big wide receiver, and that's kind that's kind of what yes. he is. He's out there like running like full on routes, and he can do it well. That was always the the confusion that I think some of us had at the beginning of the season was why is why are they trying to make Musgrave a full time in line tight end rather than sort of that detached receiver you know play like kind of the Jimmy Graham role or you know the Travis Kelsey role that sort of thing he's not going to be your you know again your Mercedes Lewis your your Jason Witten type and that's the kind of that's maybe the comp that at least the the high end comp that I can see for like a Tucker Craft. Um, is is like a Jason Witten, you know, guy who can just punish you as a blocker. He's going to pick up yak. He's going to always kind of find you know open spaces in the defense, and you know that type of guy is incredibly valuable in the NFL these days. So again, it's it's fun. I'm buying an 85 this off season. It's happening. I'm ready. Man, Jimmy Graham. I just had like visions of him trying to block. <laughs> well, it, well, and that's my point, right? Is is that's that's not. Tucker, or, uh, that's not Luke Musgrave's game. Yeah, um, use you know, use him up the seam, use him on on vertical routes and things. So. All right, so hopefully that's the Packers uh, can. Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say, hopefully the Packers can do everything in their power to keep Jimmy Graham from scoring a touchdown <laughs> this week. <laughs> Isn't he back on the Saints again now? Yeah, he's I on the Saints. Is, yeah, is he's he? on the Saints. I can't remember who who he yeah. plays for. Yeah. No, he's on the Saints, and I because I oh, just but he scored a it. touchdown against the Packers when he was on the Saints r- earlier this year. Yes. Did he not? Yes, he did. Uh, yes, that's yes, right. Um, I was just Googling oh. to see if he was like still on the roster, still active. And I, I couldn't get like an injury report, but I, he's still on the team. <laughs> he's still playing. That's oh, it's pretty man. unbelievable. Um, all right, Nick. So you've got exploring new things, consistency, accountability, and then process was the fourth one. What's that? Mm-hmm. Um, process is simply just playoffs, like overcoming adversity, staying the course, not too high, not too low. Um it's been a bumpy road this year and Tex, you said it like we're playing with house money at this point. Like this we're we're all, the, the Packers have already overachieved. So um, we just got to see how this thing like no matter what happens on Sunday. I mean, it would be a major disappointment if they don't win. But um, 2025, like if if we can watch this process play all the way out, like this is a similar trajectory. And I'm going to get into more of this comparison stuff but it's a very similar trajectory than the um late 2000 packers so definitely um on the other side stab at yeah should i take a stab at one of the outs take a stab at an out all right so you said overreacting um that's that's got to be jordan love that's got to be the first half of the season jordan love um that that's that's that seems like a no brainer to me. Yep. Yep. That's where my head was at. And then there, it. it's kind of it's kind of two prong. It was 
that and also um, the personal foul piece <laughs> from, the, <laughs> from, the, from the Packers side because that we're 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 strapped with one of those pretty much every single game. Um, but the larger like the larger overarching piece was um, a couple bad games, and we I think we were pretty level headed as a community as an APC community about not being out on him. But a lot of folks were like this after a, a, you know. I kept my minor meltdowns yeah. to our private text thread during yeah. games. <laughs> yeah. Never publicly. Always supported him publicly. He's my guy. <laughs> um, nope, but that's right. Good job, Tex. Um, the, la- the last one that I want to hear one of you take a stab at is this one's, this one's going to be a little tougher to nail, I think. And it's also unfair in a way. But um, out would be limiting potential. So I'm thinking about a specific player here and usage for that player great audio this is great um (laughs) yeah cut that cut that cut that yeah i'm so one that's no they must hear the ponderous silence one that's coming to mind is that to me at least is lucas van ness hasn't seen the field very much so that's that's where i'm gonna go with that LVN came to mind for me. There's one more, and he's been pretty explosive over the last two weeks. Um, mm. Well, I was mm. going to say Aaron Jones. Um, am I right? Is it Aaron Jones? It is, yes. All right. Well, I'm going to read some poetry about him later, too, but I agree. <laughs> I yeah. agree. And you can easily take the, you know, look through the lens of, like, he has been used in, you know, unlimited snap counts this year, and because he hasn't gotten all the way back to full form. And now that he's you know, there or close to there, we're reaping the benefits of that. But uh, selfishly, the offense is just so much more explosive and so much more fun to watch when he's there. So, you know, maybe, you know, let the governor off a little bit. <laughs> I, side note, I can't hear the phrase reaping the benefit without thinking about the wedding singer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm reaping Ooh. the benefits. <laughs> he's losing his mind. <laughs> Um, Well, thank you, gentlemen, for indulging me on my Packers 2024 resolutions. Absolutely. Um, I was going to pull up before we hit the break. um, Let's see if we can get some listener note nugs in here. Um, Oh, here's one that I wanted to. uh, Here's one that I I wanted to hit. Um, uh, Lafleur for my Lafleur says uh, everyone gets an A, but special teams. Um, Tex, I'll throw it to you. Uh, I feel like w- there's been a little bit of discourse about, is this a Basaccia problem? Is that like the quiet thing that no one's talking about? Or is it something else? Is it just a few skill guys who just aren't, aren't, aren't pulling their weight? Do you fall one way or the other on that question? That's it's so tough because some of the, the discipline penalties, I feel like do kind of come down to a coaching, um, responsibility. I don't know that that necessarily was the problem on Sunday in Minnesota. Um, Toure just flat out dropped a ball. Yeah, Carlson flat out missed a PAT. Um, th- those were maybe the. I mean, those were certainly the you know, two of the big, the, the biggest two mistakes. Um, and I think that just kind of ends up falling on execution on on the players. So at least in this game, I don't think that's necessarily reflective of Bisaccia, you know, 
being, you know, being the problem. Now, overall, over the course of the season, you know, there have been consistent issues in certain spots, you know, the penalties, the personal fouls, um, the fact that we consistently are seeing issues with the the kicking game and, and that operation that I think do um, reflect poorly on, on the coaching staff. So um, that's going to be an interesting conversation. I don't think I'm necessarily out on Rich at this point, but um, I think the conversation is worth having. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so go ahead. Um, I was just going to point out um, the the one I thought shot the Packers had at getting a pro bowler this year was on special mm-hmm. teams. And the Packers are one of four teams to not have a single participant, at least in this first round, uh, on a Pro Bowl roster. Yeah, that was there, there's going to be. I'm sure somebody's going to have a think piece up on Keyshawn Nixon getting snubbed uh, as a as a return man in, in the next couple of days. So keep an eye out for that. Well, I'm sorry the Packers weren't on the radar of all the 12 year olds who vote for the Pro Bowl. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the Pro. It's so stupid. Keyshawn playing flag football could be kind of fun though. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Brian tweeting in his note. If the Packers make the playoffs with the youngest team in the league and a slew of injuries, is it enough to actually get Lafleur coach of the year? Um, I don't think so. No. Are we all in agreement? (laughs) I think the, I think Stefanski in, in, Cleveland is probably the runaway winner. Four um, starting quarterbacks, and you make the playoffs. Yeah, Joe Flacco just with a bazooka arm back. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and they're going to start a fifth on Sunday because their game means nothing. So, oh yeah, wow, nuts. That is nuts. It's, it's crazy. And and losing their best player, at least on offense, Nick Chubb, in like week two to one of the more gruesome injuries you're you're ever going to see. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean Stefanski, I think has it practically sewn up to me. Um. And there's a couple other great candidates out there. I think, I mean, in another year, maybe Lafleur is the guy. But yeah, just this year, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah, um, I want to quickly shout out all the people who tweeted in their note nug that was uh, related to hoping this game doesn't save Joe Barry's job. Uh, I can't read them all, but we hear you, <laughs> we see you. <laughs> you are important to us, and we agree with you. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave the note nugs with this, and then we'll throw it to Rick the Glen. Um, Tweeting in Packers win and I'm in bed before 11. Everything's coming up Millhouse. <laughs> That's a man after my own heart. Um, cool. We're going to throw it to break. And when we come back, I'm uh, going to read some poetry. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360 degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more 
and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we are back, and we are going straight, straight behind the beaded curtain. It's been a long week. Need that massage now. I'll go first. Thought the sombrero would ride into the sunset, but might he return? Nick, uh, you you hit on it earlier, and I kind of pressed the pause on that. I want to talk about Aaron Jones. Um, At this point, when he's healthy, and I know it's an if because he just is an injury-prone guy, I really don't see the kind of decline that you would expect to see out of a guy his age. And I know, and you were talking about his his usage, and I've been critical of that as well, But and they've been doing it for years, but he's also rounding the corner to 30, and when he's healthy, looking spry and fast and powerful and slipping through those cracks and dragging guys behind him, it's pretty remarkable. And I think, you know, most people started the season thinking this is the last year of Aaron Jones in a Green Bay Packers uniform. Let's savor it. Um, but I think we're starting to see um, some some talk amongst the idiot fans like myself of like, can they get rid of How can they make it work? I don't know. I'm not really like the contract guy. Tex, I don't know if you're up on, you got spot track pulled up or anything, but like what, how, how can we do this? I also wanted to shout out, we got another... Um, uh, Brian uh, tweeted in a second note nug and he asked specifically, how would you structure Aaron Jones contract to be able to keep him while possibly drafting a new running back to develop? I would say draft like two or three, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. How can they keep him, or should they, I don't know. What do you think Tex? Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating question. So yes, I have over the cap pulled up. That's my, my <laughs> contract site of choice. Um, and the the challenge, right, is he's got a seventeen million dollar cap hit next year, um, which is obviously untenable for yeah, that's a not running happening. back at all. Period. Right? Um, he already took a pay cut last year, um, but he's due about twelve million dollars in cash in twenty twenty four. I think you could kind of go to him with the same sort of idea this year. Like, look, we want to keep you. We can't keep you on that cap hit. Um, we'll give you more than you probably would be able to get on the open market, but it still needs to be, you know, it still needs to be a little bit of a, 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 a hit to the, to the salary, a, a pay cut, um, a team friendly deal. Well, exactly. I, I have a tough time imagining that they're going to extend him past his age 30 season. Yeah. That's what it, it kind of boils down to for me. I mean, I guess in theory you could do, you could find a way to maybe do like a one year extension or something, but you know, that's a, that's a tough way to go. And, and he's, the problem is he's, if they keep him through next year, he's already got a $6 million void in 25. So you're already kind of taking some dead money with the, the, the cash you've kept kicked down the line um, with his, his various bonuses and things. So no matter what, you're going to have to eat some dead cap on his contract at the end. Um, I think the the best way it probably works out though is is if you can talk talk about 
a pay cut, find something that can work for both sides, kind of like they did this last year because, like you said, he's important to this team on the field, off the field. Um, I'm sure he would love to stay in, you know, all things being equal. And they just look different with him on the field and healthy. Yeah. Um, what is the market value? What do you think the number is that's like just above that market value that kind of like, uh, uh, you know, appeases him and is is fair to both sides? I, I'm I, I'm of the mind that like 9, 10, I, I feel okay about that. I'm, again, I'm not like a contract guy, but like you start getting north of that, that, that doesn't make any sense. But like, I don't, is that grounded in reality? What do you think of that? That's so tough. I mean, I, I just pulled up the the list of running back contracts in, in the NFL right now. I mean, you've got a guy like David Montgomery in Detroit who's making $6 million a year. Mm, yeah. Is, would you know if Aaron Jones is on the free agent market at age thirty, is he going to get more than that? Yeah, I don't know. That's, I don't know that that's he. That's what is. I was going to say. Like out of all the position groups in the NFL over the last couple of years, like it's we're the least, or the NFL is the least kind to running backs. Yep, and it's a bummer. And even nine ten gives me pause, which it shouldn't, but just the way that it's all structured is tough. And you can look like how old, like David Montgomery is definitely younger than Aaron Jones. How, how old is David Montgomery? Uh, 26. So three years younger. Yeah. I don't know. I would love it. I I would, I would love it. I mean, I would, he, he means just like you said, he means so much to the team and to the community, but it's, it's a lot to bargain with. Yeah. I mean, the other benefit is the Packers have a lot of cap space, a lot of things clearing up in 2025. So if they wanted to kick a little more of that cap hit down the line, you know, see if he takes a pay cut and then you could even do a bonus, you know, a salary to signing bonus conversion or something and kick some of that cap into 2025. You probably can absorb it better then Mm. than you can in 24, just because Bakhtiari's contract should be off the books by then. And some of these other big ones. Um, are going to be going to be off the books. So that's the, I could see a combination of a restructure and a pay cut uh, in his future. And the rust ball white knuckling roller coaster would continue <laughs> for two more years. <laughs> yeah, that guy has just been sweating for like five straight years and <laughs> doing yeah. good work, but I'm sure he's not happy with how some of this has had to go down in the last couple of years. Um, text you want to read a poem sure let's do it not watson or dobbs first hundred yard receiver miles bokeem melton (laughs) we're going to uh we're going to fade out the music and just say that full name again miles bokeem melton damn that's a great that's just Such a great a good name. name man it's it's so good um i happened to be looking at his pro football reference page the other day to to look up his his stats for the last couple of weeks and saw that that was his full name and i knew i had to work this into something somewhere <laughs> that's um, the first time i'd heard it i love it it's great um but just again the fact that that bo melton is the packers first 100 yard receiver in the 2023 season is mind blowing. Yeah. A guy who has played four games, all of them coming off the practice squad. Um, and, and really, I mean, only played because both Watson and Wicks were out and 
he probably only got as many reps as he did because Jaden Reed got knocked out at halftime. Um, and he was just always open. He was open all game long against this Minnesota secondary. Yeah. And he's like, they, the Packers have suddenly some really interesting receiver depth between all these guys who've gotten reps this year. I mean, Malik Heath can be kind of your big guy who can be a, an enforcer in the running in the run game. Um, you know, Dobbs is kind of your red zone weapon. Watson, if he's ever healthy for an extended period of time, is your your field stretcher. Wicks is the kind of do everything, um, smooth route running guy. Melton and Reed. I mean, Reed can do just about anything at this point. Yeah. Um, and and now you've got Melton kind of working his way in there. That's five or six guys that you know are all NFL caliber receivers who've all made massive you know important contributions to this team this season and it's exciting to think of all these guys again being in their first or second year this year it's crazy and and you've got them all under team control for at least two more years so it's a fun receiver group um but yeah melton being you know the first one of the century mark is (laughs) kind of kind of a hilarious little trivia bit that i will never forget it's pretty unbelievable i hear i hear that list of receivers you just read off and i can picture justice mosqueda tweeting out like the picture of goot with the glowing eyes <laughs> <laughs> well we joked on uh on the repack that sometime this summer we're going to need to do get some photoshop going and uh do the si cover from 2011 That's just so to, to get these guys and a couple of tight ends in the mix <laughs> just so photoshop boat melton's head in there <laughs> <sighs> when, like, when you say when you list that list of guys off um it gives you a lot to be excited about. Yeah. Right? That's crazy. That's fun. It is fun. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of, I don't have them in front of me. Sorry, guys. A couple other note nugs that we got. Just to that effect. Just people in general. And and by the way, guys, we don't always read all of the notable nuggets, but I, uh, read them on the air, that is. But I always, I read them uh, after the game. I enjoy them. They give me great pleasure. So just know that that I'm I'm reading them. But we had a bunch of people also tweet into that effect, basically just excited for the future, feeling optimistic about all these young players and just general um, excitement. Really, like, you know, Tex, you said at the top of the show, like it's it's all gravy right now um, for the for the Packers and going to the playoffs. And like to, to be in this position, I'm just like I'm just tickled. Like we are. It's unfair. <laughs> If I was uh, a fan of another team in this division, I would be so mad right now. <laughs> it's like not we're not even like the best team in the division, but like things are already turning a corner and like kind of looking up. Well, the the Lions are in a precarious situation a bit too because what they have is sort of like it's not like a win now type of situation, but it's still like it all hinges on golf and this offensive line and it's not like they have like a lot of a lot of like runway to grow this thing over a long period of time yeah so yeah the packers are just the wash rinse repeat team of the nfc north it's beautiful 15 more years (laughs) solid quarterback play book it baby (laughs) (sighs) all right um nick you got a poem i do haiku shakespeare what are we doing just haiku today. Right. I haven't done a shake. I haven't done a sonnet all year. I don't I think. Know. I'm just making we'll it, it known. I got the sounder on the board. So we'll save it for the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. When they win in the playoffs, about that. 
human nature. Comparisons aplenty. What's real? What's lazy? So, um, like I note, um, we like to draw comparisons. We like to create similarities between other teams, other players, the past, the present, especially within um, this Packers organization. And the, obviously the, the easy one that comes to mind is the Favre to Rogers, Rogers to Love one. Um, I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. Um, we want to you know, seek the familiar in the unknown. Um, so I'm just curious what you guys think. I've got a couple of comparisons here. What you think is founded um, and what you think is, you know, maybe a little lazy or unresearched. And I'll, uh, we'll start with the, the Favre to, to Rogers to love one. So like, it's hard for me and I welcome your opinions on this to go so cross generational. And like, this was a big piece of the, of Collinsworth on, on Sunday night football with the, um, going overboard with the the Jordan Love throw over the middle where he, you know, jumps off his feet. And, you know, it's it's probable, you know, even, you know, more than likely that Rodgers gleaned things from Favre, and he's on record saying that, and Love gleans things from Rodgers. But they have such different games. So I just feel like I'm tired of that comparison. And maybe that's harsh. To me, like when when Love like jumped off his feet a little bit for that first throw to to Reed down the you know down the middle of the field, it was like the defense was bearing down on him. And he had no choice but to leave his feet a little bit. I I don't know. What do you guys think? I have an interesting take, and, and this this might be a little toasty, but <laughs> I I think there's at least a possibility that love has the chance to marry kind of some of the best parts of both of his predecessors. He's got a little bit more of that gunslinger attitude and approach in him. I think than Rogers did Rogers was always so careful with the football, right? He was always going to take a sack or throw the ball away rather than trying to trying to force something downfield. I think love is a little bit more willing to take some of those, those risks than Rogers ever was. And but but he can also you know make the smart play in a way that you know sometimes Favre wouldn't do. So I, I think somehow he he might you know I'm not again not saying he's a surefire Hall of Famer or anything, but there's a chance he could kind of thread the needle a little bit and you know kind of kind of pull some of the best qualities of both of those two guys. Yeah, I would add that um, <clears throat> I think there's sometimes a danger with uh, comparisons like those coming from you know, big media personalities, especially because these guys, these they're players, not watching the, yeah, they're not watching the team religiously. Yep. Well, but the, the players, you know, read that stuff and hear that stuff. They're all on social media. They're on their phones at halftime. Like they are consuming that stuff. And so I feel like sometimes there's a, there's a danger of like, I don't like, Oh no. Like is Chris Collinsworth going to like, pee in the pool and like pollute like Jordan loves mind basically. And like, you know, screw up his development because he's too worried about, you know, filling shoes or blah, blah, blah. But so far, everything we've seen from Jordan love is that like, he's just like such a cool customer 
and is just like zeroed in on the game and is just calm and under control and focused and one play at a time. And that also is a similarity of, uh, you know, between him and Rogers, I would argue I've seen him get less rattled than Rogers, especially yeah. later in his career. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not sure that it matters because he's just so like calm and collected and I'm not like, again, ready to an- anoint him, uh, a hall of famer or like worship at his feet or anything. And and I think there's, you know, you, you pointed out like the jumping throw, like, I'm glad he can do that. I want to see some more fundamentals, uh, you know, employed, um, maybe, uh, in the off season, <laughs> do a little quarterback school or something, but, um, but yeah, he's just, nothing seems to phase him. I don't know. I'm a little bit of a tangent, but I'm just, I'm, no, I'm kind I of in awe you. a little bit, honestly. I see him make some fundamental throws though, too. Like I was looking back at his big throws from this last game. And I will admit most of them were like off the back foot, like kind of, it wasn't even like throwing up a prayer because he had like, he was throwing that up with confidence that like, um, there was nobody within, you know, uh, a shot of making that play other than his wide receiver. But um, yeah, that's like arm talent. That's, that's yeah. not like he's got an insanely, you know, <laughs> talented arm. It's, 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 it's just so wild to, to have done it again. I, I don't know. And I, I, the, the comparison piece is like, I think it's, it's, it maybe it's not lazy. It's just convenient because yeah. it's there. Yeah. Well, I think and you're right. He does have the fundamentals, but like, I there are plays where I see him. I think disregarding those fundamentals for no reason. Sometimes it's like, yeah, you have to get it up over a tall defender, or you've just like you're on the run and you've got to throw it to Bo Melton at a weird angle, and he's in the middle of the field in a weird spot. Like I get all that, but there's a few throws where it's just like it's a screen pass and it just hits the dirt. And it's like, that to me reminds me of like the last few years of Rogers yeah. where he was just like, fuck fundamentals. And he wouldn't say that into a microphone, into a microphone. He'd say, you know, I'm focused on fundamentals and my fundamentals are great, which was just lying, just lie. <laughs> it's just an untruth. Um, and so a uh, part of me thinks like those are things also maybe that he picked up, uh, from Rogers, which, which maybe they will, um, they will practice and, and rep out of him and train out of him. I'm hoping the fact that Tom Clements is back and around and right, like Tom was, was so integral to Rogers becoming who he was early on in his career as a quarterback's coach. Um, I'm hoping that's one of the things that he can work with, with love on and, um, you know, try to try to really drill in, you know, when you, when you have the opportunity to throw with good fundamentals, do so. Um, And then also then you have the ability to make all these crazy off platform things. Yeah. Um, happen when you when you really need to so um i do wonder how much of that was responsible for for rogers kind of getting away from some of that later in his career he didn't have somebody like a tom clements or even like an alex van pelt that he really maybe believed in and trusted as a quarterback's coach and some of that kind of he, he just let some of that slip yeah i mean when i think tom clements i think um Nick, to go back to your in and out game, I think accountability. There you <laughs> Someone go. Someone who, you know, and Rogers would talk about that a lot earlier in his career of, you know, you'd have a great game and then you'd get looking at the film and Tom Clemens would go, great game. Here are the eight things you did exactly wrong. And some of them were touchdowns, but I'm giving you a D on that play. <laughs> you know what? And this is co- complete reckless speculation, but 
I had this thought cross my mind um, where Love, obviously, early in the season, he had some type of blockade up where he couldn't like and Watson as the example, like he's obviously insanely fast, but he couldn't throw the ball far enough for Watson to catch up to it. Um, and I, I wonder if he's tinkering with some of his mechanics cause that has, um, that has waned a little bit. Yep. So if he like, isn't fully like loading on his back foot, maybe he's not as worried about overthrowing it. And as a weird result, like making a more accurate throw, like I have no idea if that's the case, but it, it, it seems like he's making a little bit more of those like, um, off platform throws as the season goes on, which you wouldn't typically want to see, but if it works, it works. I mean, the first touchdown to Reed against Minnesota was one of the best deep balls he's thrown all year, and that was one of those incredible off-platform throws. That was the one, right, where mm-hmm. he torques his, his entire upper body around his waist and and delivers that thing on a line and in a perfect spot. So, um, yeah, maybe there is something to that. Um, maybe he's just sort of settled in. I mean, and and I mean, there there may also be some some aspect of that early on in the season where guys are running wrong routes or flattening things out. Yeah, that's also place. true. The Reed thing. I mean, he basically ran that same route in the Minnesota game the first time and flattened it out too much and he got overthrown. Um, you know, I don't know if, if some of that plays into it too. Um, probably not so much on the underthrows, but you know, there could be a little bit of that in there somewhere. So there's a lot of factors I think that went into the, the struggles in the first half of the season. Um, Certainly, again, the, the youth of the receiving group and the challenges they had seemingly, you know, with mental mistakes and things. I think that's that having cleaned itself up over the second half of the season is one of the storylines of the year to me in in how this offense has turned itself yep. around midseason. Totally agree. And um, a storyline of this podcast is, Nick, I got to congratulate you on uh, pulling in Alex Patakis and your note nug and your poem were just open-ended questions to get other people to talk. Yeah. Nice yep. <laughs> That's how we do it, baby. Um, I like to, you know. That's a live so, radio experience. Yep. I like to, uh, you know, garner conversation. We've got two uh, hours to fill and three subway ad reads and <laughs> let's go, baby. That's right. I, and I also, <laughs> I also have um, multiple more um, comparisons here, but we don't have time to get into all of them. The other one I did want to bring up, um, stuff those the, back into the ATI physical therapy inbox. <laughs> what a call. What a shout on that one. Um, <sighs> the, um, just real quick, the, um, I'm hearing a lot of, um, similar position to last year after whooping up on the Vikings eight and eight record, and then going into a, um, playoff style game last game of the season where the lions might be on the same or the bears might be on the same sort of trajectory that the lions were on last year. Maybe there's some truth to that, but Matt LaFleur and his little presser dismissed that today. And I kind of am more on Matt's side than I am on the, um, beat reporter. Let's try to find a story side. Um, cause it just feels like totally different situations outside of the really tangible. This is what the record is. And this is, this is what the record is. And this is what the outcome would look like. Well, last year they beat a bad Vikings team, but, on balance, you know, they, they, they lose to the lions and then you sit back and you look at the, the year as a whole and you go, what was this team? It was a team that the wheels had fallen off. They, they really had. And I don't, I don't think that's true of this team. I think they're, they're gaining steam. Now they can still lose this game. Um, the bears are a lot better right now than they were 
uh, when they played in week one. They can still lose this game. Um, but I, there's a world where they still lose this game. And I, I st- again, feel worlds better than I did, you know, losing to the, to the lions at the end of last year. Yeah. Just, just the, the attitude of this team feels so, so different, right? Like last year, there was so much pressure on the Packers to win that game, get into the playoffs in what, you know, we all sort of kind of felt like and knew was going to be Rogers last season and, and to kind of give him some, some last chance at glory in the postseason. And I think that that pressure probably got to them a little bit this year. Everything is ahead of them. Everything is in front of them. They can, I feel like this team can play free and, and relaxed and just kind of go out and have some fun and embrace it against the bears. And, you know, hopefully that leads to a different result. <laughs> Justin Fields, 150 rushing yards incoming. <laughs> no, I agree. Well, like I agree if, with you. if that happens, the silver lining is Joe Barry definitely gets canned, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. Uh, well, um, maybe without Alex here, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll skip the corner and, uh, text, but before we go, we can maybe do a little bit of a look ahead to this, uh, this bears game. Cause you mentioned, uh, just before hopping on here, you were fresh off doing a pod, uh, with the bears talk underground. And I'm interested to hear, um, what they think about this game, their chances and Justin Fields going for it's, it's an interesting time in Chicago. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and, in talking with with Larry over there, um, it seems like the the Bears fandom is very much split on how they view Justin Fields now and kind of moving forward. Um, there's you know there's going to be a big section of the fan base that's very happy if he ends up coming back as the starter. There's going to be a big section that is very happy if they draft a quarterback at number one. Um, and so I think there's a there's a very large dichotomy there within the fan base. Um, Larry in particular is a, is a fields fan. He's been a big, big fan of him from day one. And I think he still thinks that, that, uh, that fields has the potential and has been playing really well these last, you know, six or seven games since he came back from injury. Um, and, and obviously, you know, bears fans would love nothing more than to come up into Lambeau and, and beat the Packers and knock them out of the playoffs and then feel like they've got some momentum coming into, uh, 2024. So, um, it, really, it's just going to be fascinating to see, regardless of what happens on Sunday. Um, I don't think that's going to be a, that game is going to be a referendum on Fields. I think the the front office in Chicago is going to have a really really difficult decision to make, yeah. and um, they still have to make a decision on Fields' fifth year option, um, which they can make just after the draft. So they don't have to decide on that until at least after they've you know decided what to do with that number one pick. But the fact that they've got number one from Carolina, they've got probably a, you know a top ten, at least borderline top ten pick of their own. They've got some options in front of them with the draft, and yeah. um, you know it's going to be real interesting if they do decide to stick with Fields. I mean, they can ransom off that number one for a heck of a lot of draft capital. Yeah. Um, but they've got to be convinced that you know that Fields is is the guy and. And and they need to put a coaching staff around him that's gonna, you know, gonna be able to develop him and, and put him to use yeah. um with that skill set, which they haven't really seemingly done so far with with between Nagy and Getze and and the guys that have, have led that offense. So yeah. it's it's an interesting conversation that that they're gonna have. Um hopefully I'll have a chance to catch up with him before the draft again and and get a little bit more idea of where they sit yeah. uh, heading into draft season. But I think there's, you know, 
big time question marks. Um, you know, in terms of what they're going to do at the quarterback position. Yeah, I'm put you on the spot. You're you're Ryan Poles. You're rolling the cot into the into the office. <laughs> you're working those sixty hour weeks uh, pre draft, getting ready. Got to get a dig in there to the division rival. Um, <laughs> wh- what decision are you making? Uh, I probably fall victim to the um, the classic NFL trope of take the quarterback with a big arm, and I probably take Drake May at number one. Um, and then try to get a receiver or receiving weapon for him at number 10. I mean, maybe at that point you, you you probably can't let him sit behind fields because, you know, letting fields come in as a lame duck isn't, isn't going to work. Um, but I just, I, I, I understand fields has played a little bit better these last couple of weeks. I just don't see him being the guy that leads, you know, leads the bears to a super bowl. Uh, at any point. So I think you, you take a big swing um, and, and you go for, go for a guy that, you know, that you think is, is going to deliver that to you. I think Caleb Williams is a little too similar to fields in his play style. Um, I think that you're, you're just starting over with, with almost a, almost the same guy at that point. So new fields. um, Right. Yeah. So May's the guy I think I would go for, but I also understand the idea, you know, see if you can trade back to three, get Marvin Harrison, get a King's ransom for that number one pick like new England or somebody. And, you know, try to put a, a, a lot of talented players around fields and see if he can do anything the next two years. But if it doesn't work out, then you're probably out of a job and you're, you know, somebody else is coming in and trying to find the next bears quarterback. Yeah. Send that pick to new England and, uh, Bill Belichick gets fired. A new guy comes in and immediately has the first overall pick. How mad would he be? <laughs> oh my God. What's the, so what, what's the draft order as it stands today? Are the commanders number two and the Patriots three? believe so do a little clickety clackety on the old google and, machine and the pats play the jets in what is going to be one of the most boring Whoa. games of the season <laughs> this week yeah so currently bears from carolina commanders patriots cardinals gotta feel like the cardinals would love to get up there and get a quarterback too i mean patriots probably would so i mean they're gonna have some trade partners to, to sure. deal with in that top five Ooh, jets patriots man well uh simian zappy showdown is that what that is oh, God. <laughs> sounds like it <laughs> uh, yeah wonderful it's, i can't say this in earnest because it's, this has never been true but it's not a terrible time to be a bears fan with a lot of hope out on the horizon like just with just as things are you know as they they sit currently as as you read them on paper but you know, that it's never a good time to be a Bears fan. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I agree with you. And I look forward to next season when they lose the opener and everyone's like walking on the stadium, throwing their jerseys in the trash. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was rich. That was rich. Um, I can't believe the season is basically over. Went fast. That's they nuts. go faster and faster as the years pass, don't they? They it's true. do. They sure do. It's true. Um, well, soon, soon it'll be a twenty-game season. So, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's another gripe I had. Like, as soon as they added the extra game, I was like, "Well, you gone and did it. I have to miss games now during the season. Like, I can't justify. It's too many weekends. I can't justify it." <laughs> Oh. Sorry, guys. Um, all right. With that, I'm going to hit the polka and um, mercifully end the ship so we can all go to bed. Um, Tex, thanks for hopping on last minute. Appreciate it. 
my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go down and have a donut from Greeby's Bakery on Lincoln Avenue in Milwaukee because we brought some some crawlers back from the holidays. So uh, shout out to to all my Milwaukee natives out there. Late night donut action. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It's pretty. It's almost 11 o'clock over there. East Coast time. They didn't even pay me to say that. <laughs> uh, I look forward to uh, reconvening next week in a joyful tone. Take That's care right. of business. Lock it up. Hopefully we can uh, dispense with uh, Justin Fields and the aforementioned Chicago Bears. Uh, and then it is pretty much a, a win and end. Um, and then they're in the playoffs, which, guys, Unbelievable. It's all gravy. Who'd have, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? We're swimming in gravy. All right, guys. Uh, for them, I'm me. Keep it locked into the podcast feed here, Acme Packing Company. Uh, for all your Packers audio needs, acmepackingcompany.com. If you read words, you can read them there about the Packers. Text rights, justice, lots of other smart folks. And, uh, yeah, let's go Pack Go. Let's beat the Bears. The awkward moment where we're all like listening to the music and like sort of swaying. <laughs> I love Can it. I talk right now. <laughs>